Amen. Wasn't that good? Boy, I was sitting there thinking if I could sing like that, I'd sing my sermon this morning. And uh, maybe I would enjoy it as well. That was very good, Brother Tim. I appreciate that uh, so very much. You know, it's a great joy when you serve as a pastor in the same place a long time. Uh, you get to see young people born, grow up as a toddler. He was a mean toddler. Uh, but uh, grow up as children and teens and then just decide they're going to serve God with their life. I appreciate that. I appreciate the song and the person so very much. Verse number two is my text verse this morning of Matthew chapter 3, and then I'll read one other verse. Uh, this is talking about John, of course, when it says, And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 17. Verse number 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I preached this morning on the subject, repent. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. Lord, we're living in a day that very few things are even considered sin. And yet, Lord, when we examine your word and what you call to be right, it is still right. And what you call to be wrong is still wrong. May we as a church not be caught up and led away by a world that is so filled with pride that we forget the day of our repentance, the day we turn from our unbelief to faith in you, realizing that we were sinners, Lord, before you and guilty of our sin. And Lord, we deserved a death penalty, but you gave your son to die in our place. I pray that you bless and power the preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The defining sermon truth of John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ, the defining sermon truth was the message, repent. The time of his preaching was the appearing of Jesus Christ and the coming kingdom of Christ. Today, the time is the same. The coming of Christ is at hand. And since the coming of Christ is at hand, the message should be the same, and that is the message of repent. The first word of John the Baptist that Matthew records is the word print, uh, 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 repent. And like an Old Testament prophet, John burst upon the national consciousness of the land with his brazen preaching and his bold personality. The silence of centuries were broken, was broken and was just as startling as the prophet Elijah's ministry had been. And with that one word, all distinctions of men were destroyed and all mankind was placed on the same level, sinners. The priest and publican, the rich and the poor, the Pharisee and the Sadducee, the learned rabbi and the trained soldier, all were on common ground. And as sinners, they had a one-word message from God 
that was preached by the forerunner of the Lord Jesus and followed by Jesus himself as John proclaimed, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent in definition means to change your mind. It is a change of mind that is so strong that it causes a change of direction in life. John is saying unless they repented, unless they believed on the Lord Jesus rather than depending upon religion or self or good works that they would perish. That is the message throughout the word of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. There may be some that would be considered more than others, but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Therefore, the message to all mankind uh, from the days of John, the forerunner of Jesus, and through the very lips of the Lord Jesus Christ, the message is that of repent. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Ye must be born again. I preach to you today, unless a man is born again, he cannot be saved. Unless a man is born again, he cannot go to heaven. Unless a man understands that he is a sinner and he turns from his unbelief to faith in Christ, he cannot have eternal life. Furthermore, Christians with sin in their life are facing a chastisement. I know this sermon should have been preached in the 1930s, and it was, but occasionally it's good for us in 2023 to hear a sermon that was commonly preached in 1930, 40, and 50 in America. Are you with me this morning? Christians with sin in their lives are facing chastisement. I can hear my dad or my mom saying, you are working out a good one. How many of you testify of what I'm saying this morning? And what they were saying is, if you don't change your behavior, we're going to the woodshed. We're not going to chop any wood, but I'm going to build a fire when we get out there if you don't change your behavior. Christians with sin in their lives face a chastisement and need to repent before that chastisement comes. And God, being the loving and patient God that he is, prefers that we repent rather than him chastening our lives. The Apostle Paul instructed the church at Corinth at the time of communion or the time of the Lord's Supper. It was not just a ritual they went through. It was a remembrance of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was a time that they were to examine themselves. And it's very, it's very plain. In fact, it's very bold what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He said, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep I'm talking about those that have died and then he says this, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, 
we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. And so he gives us the option. He's saying, look, you don't want to live in disobedience to the word of God. You don't want to live in sin. And I'd be a fraud of a preacher if I never preached against sin. I'd be a fraud of a preacher if I never preached the word repentance as it was the first and defining truth and message that John the Baptist preached and as Jesus followed him. In the very next chapter, Jesus preached the same, recognizing that all are sinners. Aren't you glad this morning a Savior came and he died on the cross for our sin, to pay for our sin? There is no shame to me in acknowledging the fact that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I don't want to go to hell holding my pride in place. I'd rather humble myself in the sight of God and saying, yes, I need you as my Savior, and I'm glad since a five-year-old boy my name has been written down in the Lamb's book of life, and I look forward to that day that I'll see that name and have eternity in heaven. As you go through the scripture, you'll find there are three types of repentance. First of all, you'll find there is a false repentance. We need to be warned of that. Then we find there is a true repentance, and that's a wonderful thing, and uh, trust that you have experienced that in your life, and there's a joy of the Lord in your heart, knowing that your name is written in heaven. And then the very sad thing, there is a repentance in the Bible that came too late. First of all, let me call your attention to the fact that in the Bible there are examples of a false repentance. Uh, Moses was told to go to Pharaoh and uh, give the message to let my people go. I hear folks say that occasionally at the end of sermons, let my people go, uh, or when they think a sermon should end. But they said to uh, uh, Pharaoh, uh, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. He said, I I'm, I'm not going to let you go. He tried to make compromise with them. He said, why don't you take the men, and the men go out there and worship God, then you can come back, but leave, the, leave your wives and children and so forth. And, and he said, no, we're not going to do that. He said, well, you can take the wives and children, but you have to come back. And I love what Moses said. Uh, he said, uh, uh, we're going to all go and we're going to even take our camels. And he said this, we're not going to leave a camel hoof behind. We're leaving. Well, Pharaoh hardened his heart and God began to send the ten plagues. There were ten plagues that he sent to Egypt to get the attention of Pharaoh so that he would follow his instruction to let my people go. I call your attention to Exodus chapter 9 and I'll read it for you. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. Entreat the Lord for it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings and hell, and I will let you go, and ye shall stay no longer. And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hell, that thou mayest know how that the Lord is, that the earth is the Lord's. 
But as for thee and thy servants, I know that ye will not fear the Lord God. And you know the story of what happened. Moses did, in fact, when he left the city, he spread his arm before God and he said, God, would you please take away the thunderings and take away the hail? And Pharaoh has repented. But the Bible tells us as soon as the thundering and the hailstorm stopped, that Pharaoh said, I'm glad that's over and you can't leave. It was a false repentance. Sometimes folks want to get out of trouble rather than get right with God. And that's what Pharaoh wanted. In fact, it's interesting, five times he went through this process. The Bible says he hardened his heart. But what's interesting is when you read the rest of the story, in, in plague number six, God hardened his heart. And it reminds us of the fact that when God is speaking to your heart about the matter of salvation, you ought to trust him in the very moment. Today is the day of salvation. I'll never forget when Faith and uh, Louis Hogan was uh, uh, married. I was doing their wedding, uh, 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 the ceremony uh, rehearsal. And, of course, the pulpit and communion table was not here. And her grandfather, Ronnie, uh, he was here from California. She had not met her grandfather and he was here from California, and I, after the uh, rehearsal, I had the opportunity, had my Bible here, and had the opportunity to tell him how he could know for sure he was going to heaven when he died. And I said, would you like to do that? And here's what he said. He said, he said tomorrow is the wedding. He said, that'd be a good time for me to do that, wouldn't it? We were standing right here, right down here at the front. And I said, you know what? Tomorrow would be a good time with the wedding for you to trust Christ as Savior, but... I have to tell you, according to the scripture, the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. It doesn't say anything about next year or the year after. It said, don't boast yourself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And I said, I assume that you'll be here tomorrow, but the truth is we could die tonight for never forget what, what Ronnie said and what he did. He, he grabbed his chest. He said, oh, don't say that. He said, I better do that right now. And he bowed his head right there and he trusted Christ as his Savior. I don't know if you're supposed to have a revival meeting at a wedding rehearsal, but we had one that night as we shouted and we, we rejoiced in his salvation. Pharaoh, the Bible tells us, he repented. He confessed that he was a sinner. He confessed that they were a wicked people, but his confession was only to get out of trouble. It was a false repentance. You go through the scripture and you find Balaam did the same thing. He cried the words in Numbers 22, I have sinned. We find that Judas repented and uh, we find that throughout the scripture of folks, uh, they repented to get out of trouble. Oh, listen to me this morning. We don't call on God to get out of trouble. We call on God to say, I'm a sinner. I need to be born again. I don't want to have a new lease on life. I don't want to turn over a new leaf. I want a new life in Christ and I put my faith and trust in you for salvation. In the Bible, we have several that had a false repentance. And then as we go through the scripture, we find those that were of a true repentance. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Luke in chapter 18. You're in the book of Matthew now. If you go over just a couple of books, you'll find the story of two men at the same place. But one bragged about who he was, the other repented and was born again. I want you to see it this morning. We see the Pharisee and we see the publican. 
twice. I'm starting to say the Pharisee and the Republican, but it's not. He's just a, he's just a plain publican. And, uh, but anyway, Luke 18, verse number 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a Republican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Then he started talking about the bad people he knew. Exhortioners, unjust, adulterers. Then he had the audacity to even point out the publican that was beside him at the same altar. And he said, I'm not as this publican. He started bragging about what he did. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Then the Bible says this, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Bible says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I want to say this morning there must be a time in every person's life that they stand before God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We have nothing in our hands to bring. We have nothing in our lives to give. We are sinners sold unto sin, unto the bondage and slavery of sin and Satan. Oh, but thank God Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to give deliverance to the captive. Thank God for the day that he opened the cell door where I was condemned on death row to a hell for all eternity. And he opened the door and by faith I trusted him. Thank God for a true repentance. Now folks, this is more than religion. This is a relationship with Christ. This is more than ritual that we're going through. We're not just showing up on Sunday morning and saying, whew, I feel better, I went to church. And it probably will make you feel better to do what's right, but our purpose is not to feel better. Our purpose of repentance is to understand, God, I can do nothing, I am nothing. I trust in you completely. I trust in you wholly for my salvation. In the story of Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus, I love the story. I told my children this story again and again and again. And I would tell them, you know, Zacchaeus that went up the banana tree. Oh, no, Daddy, it wasn't a banana tree. It was a sycamore tree. We've laughed and told the story. Oh, Zacchaeus, he wanted to see Jesus. He was a small man, and he couldn't see Jesus. You know the story. He couldn't see Jesus because he was small. And he ran ahead of the crowd, and he climbed up in a sycamore tree, and uh, uh, he wanted to see Jesus. I love this story. Jesus is walking with a crowd and they come to the place where Zacchaeus is up a tree. By the way, if you're still in your sin, you're up a tree. If you've never come to faith and trust in Christ for your salvation, you're up a tree this morning. Jesus came walking. Can you imagine the anticipation, the excitement the anxiety that Zacchaeus had as Jesus got closer and closer and closer. And not only did Jesus come to where that tree was, he stopped and he looked up in the tree. Hey, Jesus knew where he was and he knows where you are. And he said to Zacchaeus, come down. 
I'm going to your house today. And it was there that Zacchaeus put his faith and trust in Christ for salvation. I'm preaching to you today, you must be born again. I'm preaching to you today that the first message of John, the defining message truth of John the Baptist, followed by the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, was this matter of repent. You, I don't care how good you are, you're not going to heaven on your goodness. I don't care how much you've given or what you've done. And we ought to do right. And we ought to be good to others. And we ought to give. We ought to do those things. But you're not going to heaven because of what you've given or what you've done. If you're going to heaven today, you're going to heaven because you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Prodigal son's repentance was a wonderful repentance. How sad the story is. My heart breaks to read it. As a young man told his father, he said, I want what belongs to me. And sadly, he wasted his inheritance on riotous living. And the Bible said that he was in the far country. And the Bible said that he began to be in want. And I want to tell you, you may be saved and out of the will of God you begin to be in want because what the world has to give, friend, is nowhere near to what God has to give and the worldly blessings won't replace the blessings of God of peace and joy and gladness and all that the Holy Spirit gives us in His will. And the prodigal son had gone into the far country. He had wasted his substance on riotous living. He began to be at want. The Bible says uh, that, he, that he got a job feeding the swine. And the Bible even says, says that he looked at the food that the hogs ate and he didn't even have any food to eat. Then the Bible makes this statement. He came to himself. Oh, that America would come to its senses. Oh, that America would understand in the hog pen of the far country. There is no peace at night. There is no joy and gladness in the soul and heart. Oh, you can take a man like uh, Paul, uh, the apostle, and put him in prison. You can't take his joy away because he's in the will of God. But you take the prodigal in the far country. The Bible said he came to himself and he said this. The servants of my father have bread enough to eat and to spare. I will arise and go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Oh, it's a beautiful story. Can you imagine as he began to make his way all the time, no doubt wondering what the response of the father would be, no doubt having uh, the marks of the far country on him, uh, no matter uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the smell of the hogs and, and what he'd been doing and what he was around and he had nothing. And the Bible said no man gave to him. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how fancy it is, the world can make it look ugly and can make it ugly. He's coming home. The Bible said the father... The Bible said he saw him a great way off. You read the words. He saw him a great way off. And when he recognized that boy was coming home, the father ran. He fell on his neck and kissed him. He rejoiced in the fact, my son has come home. And he began to rejoice and make merry. And then he said this. He said, kill the fatted calf. He didn't say, let's fatten up a calf so we can have a party for this boy. He said, I've been fattening up a calf, waiting for this boy to come home. I want you to go kill the fatted calf. I want you to go get the robe and the ring and the shoes and put them on this boy. Thank God for true repentance. 
By the way, as a child of God, you ought to keep a short account with God. Now understand that when you get saved, understand that God, that God never puts a sin to your record in heaven. Understand that. Psalm 32, 5, God never imputes iniquity to our account again, but it hurts your relationship with God. No matter how far our children may go from us, they're still our children through the years. And yet today, I have dear friends and saints of God who have children or grandchildren that are in prison. And because they've done wrong and because they've sinned, doesn't mean they're not their children anymore. In fact, they love them. And they, and, they, and they want to see them and they do go see them and there are folks on my prayer list today that I pray for and they're still their children all but listen, the relationship is broken. Sin will hurt your relationship with God. But then last of all, and this is a sad thing, there is a repentance that comes too late. Take your Bibles and go back to Matthew and look at chapter 25. There is a repentance that comes too late. Notice this story, and I'll just read it from the scripture in Matthew chapter 25. A repentance, but a repentance that comes too late. Matthew 25, verse number 1, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. That defines their foolishness. But the wise took oil in their vessels with the lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. You see, they would wait for the bridegroom uh, to come and to get the bride to take her uh, to his house. And that's uh, what they did in weddings, take her to his house uh, for the meal and for the wedding. And dear friend, that's just the way it is with Christ. We're tarrying now, waiting for Christ to return. The bridegroom will come and get us because he's prepared. Excuse me while I get excited. He's prepared a house for us in heaven. In fact, it's not just a house. One fellow said, you talk about three rooms in a bath. I grew up in two rooms in a path. But when I get to heaven, it won't be two rooms in a path or three rooms in a bath. It'll be a mansion in heaven, let me tell you. And the bridegroom is coming to get the bride and we're going to have a great marriage supper of the lamb and there's going to be a wedding what a joy it is but here this crowd they slumbered they slept and at midnight there was a cry made behold the bridegroom cometh go ye out to meet him then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said unto the wise give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out but the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they were not ready, went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also other virgins, saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Wherefore, watch you therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. You know what he's saying? Today's a day to put your faith in Christ. Today's a day to trust him. The day is today to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a repentance that comes, but it comes too late. I hear the rich man cry from hell. And he says these words. Father Abraham, it's too late. 
It's too late. He's already in hell. Death has already come and taken him to his eternal destiny of death. Father Abraham, have mercy. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. It's too late. He repented. I say to you, as I said to Brother Ronnie that day, yes, tomorrow would be a good day for you to get saved because it's the same day as the wedding. Oh, but you don't want to wait till tomorrow because the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. I say today is the day of salvation. You don't want to repent when it's too late. I think of the story, and I'll not take time to go through it all, but 1 Kings chapter 2 Joab had committed crime against the king. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll just go to the altar and I'll confess my wrong. And Joab, if you want to read the story, it's in 1 Kings chapter 2. Joab came to the altar. By the way, that's why we call this here the altar. In fact, in the new building, we did better at actually putting an altar, a place for folks to put a bended knee. This is a church house, not an entertainment center. I said, this is a church house, not an entertainment center. There's an altar in it. Joab went to the altar. But they executed Joab on the altar because his confession was too late. There are three three things I'll say in closing. There's joy in repentance. Don't let pride keep you. And, 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 and you go to God and say, well, Lord, I just want to remind you what a good man I am. I want to remind you what I've done. And I'm not like these other people here. We're lying to ourselves. We're all sinners. When repentance comes, there's a rejoicing in the heart. Psalm 13, 5, but I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. There's rejoicing in the heart when repentance takes place. There's rejoicing in the home when repentance takes place. There's rejoicing in heaven. Luke chapter 15, the Bible says, The angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repenteth, more than ninety and nine that need no repentance. I want you to know this morning the thing that heaven pays attention to maybe is not necessarily of the singing of the choir, though that praise gets God's attention and the preaching of the sermon. Oh, but what causes heaven to rejoice is when one sinner says, Yes, Lord, I receive you as my Savior. Stand with me this morning. John the Baptist came on the scene with a thundering message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Jesus is coming soon. Perhaps everyone in this building but one has already trusted Christ as Savior. Perhaps. And for that one, Jesus died for you to be saved. And I say to you this morning, put your faith and trust in Christ. The songwriter of the invitational hymn says, I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. Don't, 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 don't let sin hurt your relationship with Christ. Have a happy, warm, and enjoyable relationship with Him. Heavenly Father, bless our invitation. I